Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion and public life and the intersection of religion and social justice. I'm John Shuck. My guest is Dr. Mazen Alsaka. He visited East Tennessee in October of 2011 as part of the International Peacemaking Program of the Presbyterian Church. Uh, Dr. Alsaka is a medical doctor living in the United States in Michigan. He's a refugee from Iraq, one of 25,000 refugees um, that are living in the United States. And he has been here for a couple of years. Two years and a half. Two years and a half. And, and you were here because you were escaping the violence of Iraq. And, and, and your father had been and kidnapped and killed. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. My dad... Uh... My dad was the senior elder and the head of the session in the Presbyterian Church. In November 2006, he kidnapped and uh, killed by hand of the insurgent. And that was after threatening him for a couple of months since July to November. And they tried to to push him to close the church and stop the ministry. And he thought this is not something good to do. So he pursued with his faith and ministry till they kidnapped him and killed him in November 2006. After that, they tried to do that with me, so I flee out of the country to so Jordan. Your, li- your life was threatened, too. Yes, yes. And uh, I flee to Jordan, and in Jordan, I apply as a refugee, and they decided to send me for third country settlement, so I, I am here in America. Okay. Many people don't know that there are Christians in Iraq. How many Christians are there, and, and uh, uh, most people think, well, they're all Muslims in Iraq. That's That's interesting, because whenever I'm doing that presentation about the Iraqi Christian in uh, or within the peacemaking program in the Presbyterian Church, uh, people will get surprised. Really? Do we have a Christian in Iraq? And I'm saying yes. It's just like, go back to your Bible. Go back to your homework. Uh, Christianity in Iraq since the early days of Bible or Christian faith. And we carry that tradition for 2,000 years or more than 2,000 years, actually, through different churches, Catholic Church, Orthodox Church. Even for the Reformed Church or Presbyterian Church, we have been there a long time ago. Actually, my church, Mosul Church, had been established in 1840 as a Reformed Church. So you can understand, it's just like because we don't know, that doesn't mean people are not exist there. Right. Christian there, and they are for a long time there. Being a minority inside the country, because according to the statistic, we are only 3% of the country, that doesn't also defeat the fact that we are part of the country. So there are about 30 million Iraqis in the 3%. So it's about 1 million. So 1 million Christians out of the 30 million. Okay. Yes. That's the point. And Presbyterians, you were there since 1840. So that was what? An an American mission or? It was actually a group mission. It was a station inside the Mosul city and uh, held and helped actually by different mission organizations. Then it ended to be a Presbyterian churches there. Okay. But Christians as a whole have been there since. time of Christ or the apostles almost. Yes, you can you can back to the church traditions and to the Bible and you can see that's what I'm telling the people uh, in Act in the Bible, in Ch- book of Act that tell you about people who accept Christ in the Pentecost day and among them people who dwells in Mesopotamia and Mesopotamia for us is the land of modern Iraq right now. And you live in Mosul. Yes, Mosul. Mosul. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, modern-day Nineveh. Yes. Actually, this is a nice also because with that Asian country, you had a lot of uh, old civilizations going on. So my city, Mosul, which is uh, the city that you can hear in the news about, it's killing and all that, all that things, it's actually on the location of the old 
Nineveh or the biblical Nineveh even. That's the story of Jonah going preaching to Nineveh yes. and Nineveh being, of course, the headquarter of the Syrian Empire. Syrian Empire who had controlled that uh, area of the world for 300, 400 years. So Iraq's have, uh, or Christians in Iraq have been persecuted for how long in this recent persecution? It's actually for all the time in the Christian history in the Middle East, there was an persecution events regarding the Christians. It's maybe uh, right now people consider it as the most uh, aggressive one or the most intensive one because the, the way it, it, it happens, the killing, the church bombing, and the people had been more displaced and more going around. So uh, actually after the war in 2004, everything, everything started when the church started bombing and church leaders had been kidnapped and killed. So it started in, in 2004. And who was doing this persecuting? Actually, you will hear people refer to them as insurgent. And for us, insurgent, these people are either affiliated with Al-Qaeda group and uh, these or Al-Qaeda themselves, uh, killing in the Sunni area. And sometimes they get help from Shia group in Shia area. So it's mixed of both of types. Al-Qaeda. And since 2004. So um, the U.S. invasion started in 2003. What's the relationship between the U.S. invasion and the insurgents and al-Qaeda? It's, uh, it's a simple relationship. Uh, before 2003, we didn't have this military actions of al-Qaeda in, in Iraq. Actually, they were chased by a regiment, and they are not allowed to work in Iraq. And uh, we couldn't find their activity. But after the invasion, when people get the freedom to use their weapons and get that poverty line and uh, an unemployment high. So you didn't have, making sure you get this right, you didn't have al-Qaeda in Iraq before not, the U.S. invasion? Not to the far I know. And I, we didn't see them in the streets. Okay. So they, we assumed. So there was no persecution between Christians. No, Christian no, relationship no, 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 and no. Muslim neighbors were No, were we, were, okay we were fine. We, we were fine at that time because uh, people at that time, they have law, they have government, they have uh, establishment of court system. And you cannot just attack anybody just for no reason. There is a friction between religious and ethnic group in some manner for certain uh, types about personal law or inheritance, these kind of things. But it's still, it's, it wasn't solved by weapons or get to that massive killing or destructions. After the invasions, when people get unemployed with higher employment, there is no money, their um, army had been sent. So uh, you have high train military people or personnel there. And now uh, somebody is recruiting them by saying, you know what, we should do it for Allah. These are occupiers and we should fight them for the country or for our religion. You get these massive insurgents recruiting and this killing. But this does not reflect at all the majority, the vast majority of the Iraqi people. This is really the, the, the Al-Qaeda. These are outside forces or radicalized forces within based on issues of poverty and desperation they and needing start, a scapegoat. Yes, they, they started that as outsiders when they bring this ideology to inside the country. But with the situation inside Iraq, you find a lot of people's sympathy with them. And they, they succeeded in recruiting a couple of the people or people to them. Because after all, you cannot just run through the country without knowing it unless there's somebody from that country helping you. Uh, the idea is... Does the people really, all the people in Iraq, believe in that ideology? No. You still have most of the people who were Muslims against that ideology saying, you know what, this is just like, this is not true. This is not correct, not right to be done. 
And but the the fact is, these are the noisiest people, the people who carry the weapon and can kill and threat, make them more dominating, denominating for any area. And so, um, how do they get all these weapons, or what, how did this happen? Interesting. These are the weapons. Most of the time, uh, came from the old army. After the American gets inside the country, they was they weren't careful about protecting the warehouse of the weapon, and there was a lot of weapons had been distributed in schools and these kind of things to make them available for the army in case the war start. And after the entrance of Baghdad, when the army dismissed and everybody went home, people tried to get these weapons, so they were talking about three million pieces of weapon had been distributed in Iraq. Three million. Yes, and you can you can identify now how much easy is that to get and buy and and then start to fight by that again. I'm speaking with Dr. Mazen Al-Saka. He is a refugee from Iraq, living now in Michigan. Um, large Arabic population, large population in Michigan? Yes, they were saying it's the largest Arabic congregation out of the Middle East. And you hope to go back to Iraq someday? Maybe someday I will back. If I had the chance to rebuild part of that country, I would love to give a hand in that. Rebuilding. Um, Many we we were, are in Iraq. Um, many we're often told in the United States that that we were to go there to uh, we needed to unseat Saddam because uh, he was bad and he had weapons of mass destruction. And that when we went in, the people of Iraq uh, greeted us as liberators, and it was good for them. And uh, what's your view on that? It's not my view. Some of the people ask me what's happening. I mean, we were doing that for the right reason. What's what's turn the table up? Uh-huh. And if you look at to some of the people or the sequence of events, you will understand that the American get there and they had a, a, a time of peace in the beginning. People didn't fight that much. And they were watching them. Just like, are you going to build the country or not? And when we get into a sequence of decisions by sending the army home, sending the intelligence home, security home, and you are not allowed to work again in these facilities and... Uh, without retirement plan and all these destruction and and there's no obvious plan for rebuilding the country, people thought maybe it's not a good idea. It's just like welcoming these people not a good idea. With Al-Qaeda and with insurgent, with different external interference from surrounding country, you end up with the situation that we have. So we end up with the situation of desperation with people with a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of ethnic uh, already tensions, tensions, tension. and you can just build on that. Yeah. And so uh, the U.S. presence there and going for the has has that helped at all, or has that made it worse? Actually, most of the people in Iraq they think of the American as occupying forces. So you understand what the feeling against occupying forces. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help you right. to be labeled all titled like this. It's just like. Uh, people always will think each problem happened in this country, it's towards you. You are part of that. And you should be part of the solution. So if you didn't do anything, you will get more credit or more responsibility about it. Uh, the Iraqi, in the beginning, they knew that what's happening here is not about them. I mean, you can hear in the media and it's anywhere. It's just like, oh, we did it for them. We tried to remove them from Saddam. And yes. People will be thankful for the American to remove Saddam from them. That's that's something else. It's actually not something else. They were hoping for more. Mm-hmm. That the American, if they have more plans for rebuilding Iraq and invest in Iraq, rather than cutting Iraq in parties and start this mess for.
Okay. So um, what, what has happened is that we've just simply given you a lot more violence rather than perhaps rebuilding uh, what we could be doing. Because, because people thought we can run this war with military ideas mm -hmm. and always we can do it with weapons, we end up with this violence. What was it like under Saddam Hussein as, an, as a Christian? Well, under Saddam Hussein, you know, as, as any dictatorship, he would like to keep his chair. He would like to keep his throne intact. So if you are not interfering with his way, he is not going to interfere with your way unless he is, unless, you are, unless you will feel injustice and fair as a part of the community in general. Under Saddam, you had seen people uprising him from Sunnah, from Shia, from Kurdish, and you didn't hear something from the Christian. Okay. Simply because the Christian community were not involved in politics. We don't go and cheer for politics and do politics more. And that's a church policy or a Christian policy long time ago. So Saddam didn't see the Christians as a threat to no, his rule. No. And no. so he kind of live and let live? Yes. He just like, I will let them do what they need to do because uh, they are not a threat. They are, they are not coming after me, after all. So what's happened is uh, we had that time of peace during his ruling because simply you are not a threat to the government or to him personally. Yes, he did. And he built a couple of the churches and give money for a couple of the churches. He sometimes uh, gets some privilege for a couple of the church leaders. But that was of the political agenda or the political uh, propaganda for the regiment that, oh, we are accepting our, every minority and every thing. Did he in favor of Christian by the meaning, if you are a Christian, you can get a high rank job or raise in your salary or you are guaranteed to have a job in, in the country? That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. I'm speaking with Dr. Mazen Alsaka, who is uh, uh, volunteering with the uh, Peacemaking International Peacemaker Program of mm -hmm. the Presbyterian Peacemaking um, Program, mm -hmm. and going around to going around the country talking about uh, the plight of Iraqi Christians, who most people haven't really heard about in the United States. That is, and even though many people in the United States are Christian, and in fact, evangelical Christians have supported uh, the activities of the American military in Iraq. Your message to them is to uh, check the situation out a little bit more clearly? Yes. It's just like we all patriotic in, in a certain, certain sense. I have been in uniform one day in my life, and I understand how people will feel while they're wearing the uniform or when they have a kin in the uniform. And uh, supporting the troop is, is something good as people. It's just like why we are sending the troop after all. Uh, most of the people will think we should do it, we should implite our democracy, our rights to everybody, and we don't think is what we are doing here is the right things for people there. Do we Should, should we just only copy-paste what we have? Mm -hmm. That was one part of the American problem in Iraq. They came with a system and they tried to implant it without taking consideration what's the cultural background for these people, how much they can prospect or receive this system. And after all, even the American system in this country haven't been developed in day or two. It just had been developed through different days. Meaning the fact is just like, you know what? I always tell the people this, and it's not only about mission or supporting the troop. Mm -hmm. It's all about the American mentality here. And I'm not accusing any American by being that. I'm proud to be in this country, and I'm thankful for the generosity of this country to be here. Uh, it's just like when we start to think that a man with a weapon 
can do more than a man with a book or a stethoscope or a pencil. We had to start to send these troops all over the places. And we lost the chance to build a bridge with people that they might accept our friendship and make us help them to build their country in a different way. It's just like a different way. You're listening to Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mazen Alsaka. You know, I've often think about not only Iraq, but also Afghanistan. If we had spent the money we spent on weapons instead of building homes or sending Habitat for Humanity volunteers or doctors or something, we might have gotten uh, a lot further along. It's a, it's a debatable situation. Mm-hmm. You will see people talking from right and left, and I can understand the both sides because I was there and I have seen it. Oh, some people will say we should implant security first, then we come with investment. But how much you can implant security in a community where it's poverty and unemployment reaching 60% among your employment forces? How much you can persuade people that you are doing the right things when they see soldiers killing their kins and either they're innocent or doing something? How much you can implant security in such a situations when people think you are an occupying forces? I mean... You have a little chance to do that. Obviously, not everybody can win it, such a war. And this war can be won in a different way. It's just like this. And after all, what's winning? Yeah, what is winning? How, 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 what is winning and how can it be won in a different way? What would you say to that? How do you answer that question? I, I don't know. It's winning is a goal you achieve or you put before you go to the war, not after you go to the war. Okay. You have to know what you're doing. And that's part of the whole thing, isn't it? The, the, the deception uh, of... Um, I'm speaking here for the American invasion. Uh, we say we went to liberate, we went for democracy, but you know, the bottom line is I think most people realize that we went for our own geopolitical interests. That's that's to some extent even true between Iraqis. I mean, people think, yes, they had to remove Saddam, and we are thankful for them for removing Saddam. Uh, but that wasn't the only reason for, for the American to be in Iraq. They have multiple reasons. And uh, to a certain extent, majority of the Iraqi had accepted this reason, even if it was oil or something, mm-hmm. and we were ready to build the country and give a hand to building the country. The fact is, uh, nothing happened towards that point, and uh, we end up to be the second most corrupted country in the world. That's what the statistics says. Uh, defeat the fact that somebody is trying to help. And... Missing weapons, missing money, uh, you have no employment, and this is no jobs, nobody care about the people, mm-hmm. lost of infrastructures, and nobody tried to help in infrastructures. So that means maybe we shouldn't do it. And we have a lot of ethnic violence and scapegoating, and the Christians in Iraq are feeling the brunt of that. You've lost how uh, the population of Christians in Iraq has decreased. Uh, uh, actually, that was that was a nice statistic we find a couple of days, uh, not a couple of days, actually, had been published a long time. They were talking about 3% of the Iraqi population before the falling of regimen in 2003, mm-hmm. and that will be around 1 million people. And another organizations had been estimated the Christian present in Iraq right now by half of that number. Half. By meaning 500,000 to 600,000, something like this. Two-thirds or half of this number this the 600,000 are displaced inside Iraq by the meaning they are not living in the same houses or area they were living uh, in the original houses. The other part, which is obviously had been left Iraq or killed, and we had estimated around 16,000 Iraqi Christian 
had been killed in the last four years. 16,000 Iraqi Christians alone, just yes. that ethnic group have been killed. Yes. 600,000 Iraqis Christians. altogether. Yes, and that's and you can see it's more than 3%. Sure. Okay, and uh, some of these people will think and they left Iraq and they are now distributed as refugees in other countries. Like yourself. Like myself. Uh, I'm the lucky people, actually. I'm from the lucky people who had get to another country. There's mm -hmm. a lot of long list of waiting in Syria, Turkey, Jordan, Lebanon, and Egypt for different people. And all the time you might hear people just had lost their self while they're trying to get to, to get to Europe through the sea or something like that. And um, a recent act of violence was happened last November. It was Our, Our Lady Yes, it's actually, uh, that's tell you some of the things of the story of Iraq. People will think, oh, you know what, this, is, this was only in 2004, 2006. And it had been stopped. No, it actually didn't stop. It's, they they stopped reporting to you. They didn't stop the killing. Okay. Uh, because when I was here in 2010, November 2010, we had an accident and a big massacres in the church. When insurgents get inside the church and get hostages among the believers of the church, and that was the church, the lady of our deliverance in Baghdad, and they end up killing 50 to 70 people. 50 to 70 people, and this is just last year. It hasn't been a year since this has happened. Uh, yes, this is just right. the last okay. year. It's just November last year. And they kill it, and you can find family had been lost totally, and a lot of people had been killed, children from diff and different age groups had been killed. And uh, I personally get frustrated. I was here, and I was looking to the news, and I was waiting for people to report it, but it was only subtitle in, in the news, and nobody talked about it. We went and demonstrate in front of the government building or mayor building inside Detroit. And the churches, the Christian Iraqi churches who are living in Detroit, Michigan, they made some activity to, to reach that because uh, that cannot be just kept for, for nothing. Just people should know that this is going on and we had this loss on and on. With me, Dr. Masen Al-Saka, speaking about uh, Iraq speaking about Christians in Iraq and the persecution there and the violence there. Um, we are just about out of time, but can you tell me about how people might be, what websites people might go to to find more information? Actually, I am here with, uh, as you said, with the PCUSA, uh, Presbyterian Church of the United States of America, peacemaking program. They have this initiative for having peace or international speakers from different around the, con the world to talk about the church challenges and the community challenges and peace of bridging between the community. So uh, they, anybody can navigate that, go to www.pcusa.org, see the peacemaking program. If you are interested also to help the Iraqi Christians or the persecuted Christian in Iraq, we have formed in the Presbyterian body what we call it Iraqi Partnership Network. These are American churches that they get the commitment to help the Iraq Christians, and they do that through disaster relief, children assistant, and medical assistant, and training. So you can go both ways. And we have also in that body a branch for refugee who had came to Iraq with nothing, and uh, we tried to help them to resettle. After all, if, you, if you're living yourself in an area, you can call your nearest presbytery, and mm -hmm. they can get you to help with this one. Or you can Google it and contact the people. So within a couple of sentences, you're on the radio here with Americans. Many are Christian. Many are uh, many are not. Um, but what what would be your message? What's what, what would you like folks here to know about about your situation? Most of the people here think is their decision is just only for themselves, 
And I'm telling the people here, no. Maybe you, you should take a decision and we will live with that. Electing a president or making a foreign policy or making a decision around the world, it's mainly influenced by the American politics. And that's a fact you, we cannot defeat anywhere. Uh, the fact is you should be aware that uh, there's other people get hurted or damaged or destructed by this decision is also a fact you should put in mind. Uh, do we need to do something about these persecuted people or these killed people? Uh, I think we share the same blood and we can do it. Even for a Christian manner, we share the same blood of Christ. So I, mm-hmm. I cannot find a way better than doing that in the context of a Christian brotherhood. Uh, are we able to do something for them? I think this is the wrong question. I think the question is, are we willing to do? Okay, and then we can figure out what yes. the specifics are later. Yes. It's getting your heart and your mind you get you get thinking what yes. you want to do what's the you right get, thing to you do you get first. loaded you get loaded with this mm-hmm. uh, feeling then you go from there to see what you can do but uh most of the people here uh get shocked when they hear me it's just like uh, really is there something like that and this mm-hmm. and i'm telling them well this is the fact it's just like if you don't know simply you cannot do anything else try to know contact see what's happening get more exposure get not sheltered inside yourself it's just like there's a lot of things going around you. I know uh, not you don't carry the responsibility to solve each single problem in the world. This is not everybody's responsibility, but at least if you have the chance to help somebody, do it, or please do it. Good advice. Thank you very much, Dr. Mazen Alzaka from um, Michigan or, or from Iraq via Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you so much. And you've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion and public life and the intersection of religion and social justice. And my guest was Dr. Mazen Alsaka. He is with the Presbyterian Church International Peacemaking Program, visited in East Tennessee in October of 2011, talking about the situation of Iraqi Christians in Iraq. My name is John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can get podcasts to this program by going to the church's website, www.fpcelizabethton.org. You can find uh, more information or contact me at my blog, shuckandjive.org, or email johnashuck at embarkmail.com. This Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM Emory, Virginia.